eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller with Jeff Nowak, bringing you the Week 14 bi Week edition of the latest on the Black and Gold news and more misery and losing and... Injury updates as well. We have found out a little more about uh, Mark Ingram, who got banged up last game and has been the sore spot of everyone's conversation when talking about that Tampa Bay loss. Is it over yet? We have to keep talking about this team. I'd rather do basically anything else because the season's over and there are four games left. But yeah, we're going to talk more about Mark Ingram. We got some updates on his, let's call it, issue. We're going to get into some of the questions I asked Dennis Allen this week, too, about, you know, where, oh, where has Alvin Kamara gone? You know, that star running back who seems to have fallen off the face of the earth. Uh, And then, you know, why this team doesn't seem to use analytics in any of their decision making, whether they say they do or not. It's not it's not showing up. And then the question that I'm sure a lot of people have is, will there be any coaching changes made? Um, and uh, why there will not be or at least why Dennis Allen says there will not be. So we're going to get into that. But first, yeah, Mark Ingram. First things first about Mark Ingram. We need to chill on the I hate Mark Ingram takes, first of all. Like, let's just be real about a guy who has been on this team for a majority of his career, has been a really good football player, and I would argue has had a really solid season when he's been healthy. That said, yes, him not getting the first down there was was brutal. Right. Absolutely. Like if he gets the first down there, you you have three more plays, you run more clock, the game changes. I get it. At the same time, it's not his fault. The team decided to throw on third and one in Bucks territory and then punt for the third time of the game in Bucks territory. That's not on Mark Ingram, but we're going to get into more of that. Here is what Dennis Allen said 
regarding that play when he was asked about it on Monday, not after the game, because he did talk about it after game two. Well, yeah, I think I think there was definitely an opportunity for him. Look, he he, uh, he made a nice play. It looked like he kind of, you know, came out of the cut and, and you know, he kind of tweaked his knee a little bit uh, earlier in the game. I think he kind of felt it right there and, and, and lost track of where the sticks were. But, um, you know, obviously it was a big play in the game. And, and, and uh, look, Mark's been a good big part of, you know, what we've done here at the Saints for a long time. And, and uh, you know, I think we all looking back would, would have hoped that maybe he would have been able to get that first. Yeah, so the play he tweaked his knee on came a few plays earlier. It was another – it was actually very similar in the sense that it was a second down play. He caught the ball, and you ended up with a third and one. But on that play, he obviously got tackled, and he went down like holding his knee – you were in the red zone, and it's like he looked like he was in serious pain. And remember, this is a guy who missed five weeks with a knee injury. I believe it was five weeks earlier in the yeah. season. So he goes down holding his knee. You're like, man, season's probably over. Comes off the field, goes in the injury tent. And did you? What was his kind of mood like when you saw him go in the injury tent? Because you were down there. Yeah, see, that was a thing that was odd to me. It was on the opposite side of the field where I was standing. It was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline. And from what Deuce was saying on the broadcast, he thought it looked like he basically landed on the ball and lost, you know, his wind. You know, he got the wind knocked out of him kind of thing. Finally did get up, made it over to the, you know, uh, Saints sideline, went in the injury tent. Of course, there's me lurking, waiting to see what happens. He got out, grabbed his helmet, and ran back to the bench area. So assuming everything was A-OK, and yet yeah, to me it never looked like it was a knee issue, I kept thinking – it was what Deuce had said. He just had fallen on the ball, gotten the wind knocked out of him, and was able to get back in the game. So to hear now that he was dealing with that is kind of odd to me. Just why would you reinsert him back in the lineup when you have guys like Dwayne Washington or you know anybody else, even uh, David Johnson to come in and get some snaps at running back? Well, David Johnson wasn't active. Okay. So, I mean, he may have also fallen on the ball and got the wind knocked out of him. Like, loud. More than one thing can be true, but he did. He was clutching his knee when he went to the ground. Like, he had a knee thing going on. Whether he also had the wind knocked out of him, who knows? But, yeah, he went in the injury tent. He came out, and DA says that he was cleared to go back in the game. Medically, he was cleared to go back in the game. No, oh. and I think I tweeted this at the time. It's great to see Mark back in the game, but I'm not entirely sure he should be back in the game at that point, right? And so – when he's going upfield, and yeah, he had room to go, but just put yourself in his position where his knee is exploding, blinding pain, and he's just like, get me out of here, and he goes out of bounds. So what we find out today, well, Mark Ingram has a slight tear in his ACL. That's a report from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, and so that's going to keep him out three to four weeks, probably ends his season, might end his NFL career, or at least his career with the Saints because he's a free agent after this season. The other interesting thing about that play is – he was on the field because Alvin Kamara's helmet had come off on the previous play. So when right. that happens, you have to come out for at least one snap. And so Mark Ingram is standing over there on the sideline. He is the RB2. The doctors have said he is cleared to go back in the game. So when Alvin comes out, that's the guy you're putting in. You know, I, I, I can't blame Dennis Allen for that because he doesn't know how Mark Ingram's leg is is torn up right like he just knows what the doctors are telling him and what mark is telling him and so they're both saying yeah i can go back in so he puts him back in there so that's not the criticism i have for dennis allen but i have criticism for the medical staff absolutely right? like 
This is a guy who just missed four weeks with a knee injury. He is 32 years old, and he just went down clutching his knee. And not only is he cleared to go back in the game, he's cleared to go back in the game within minutes, which, like, how could you have possibly done a full, like, diagnosis of what is going on? You know, maybe Mark didn't illustrate clearly, you know, what was going on within his knee. I think a lot of these players, they're running on adrenaline, and, you know, there might not be the the most accurate forecaster of like what their knee is going to feel like when they get back in the game. Right. Like, I think that's tough. That's why you have to kind of take it out of their hands at times. Like with the concussion protocol, like these guys don't get to, don't get to decide whether they're concussed. Someone else has to decide. And so like that could be part of it, but I need people to understand like being toxic about a guy whose knee just blew up. And I think it was pretty clear what happened at the time. Like he's not just going out of bounds. Like he didn't just lose track of where he was on the field without something else going on. But I do have questions about the medical staff because we've seen this team deal with injuries all year. They have been just beset with them week after week after week. You've seen players struggle with recovery and get ba- getting back on time, right? You've seen setbacks. You've seen Jarvis play through an ankle injury in London that has now limited him for the rest of the season. Like I have serious questions about how these in-game injuries are handled and how how the quick rehab is handled. But I think we all need to kind of take a step back and appreciate what Mark Ingram has done for this team and not look at that one play as if that defines him as a player. Because I think he actually played well in that game. Like, we can say, wow, he should have got the first down. I mean, Alvin Kamara ran for, what, 26 yards the entire game? Mark Ingram had seven yards on that play, right? He set up a third and short, and play calling is the issue from that point. Why are you throwing a quick slant to Mark Buzz Callaway, a guy who hasn't even been in the game on third and one? You know, yeah. But I think it's it's unfair to 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 heap criticism on Mark in that moment. His season's over because he went back on the field, <laughs> right? Like you mentioned it too, and it might be a sad ending to his Saints career. And we saw Drew Brees go out in a similar uninspiring fashion, obviously, as a as a member of the black and gold. His last pass was an interception in that playoff game against the Buccaneers. And what do you know? This might be the last of Mark Ingram in a Saints uniform. His contract is up, like you mentioned. Who knows if they decide to bring him back? Who knows if he's going to come back? He might retire after this season kind of thing. I mean, he's, he's 32 years old, right? Like, yeah. And I'm I, 32 I years old, and I'm not, I'm not playing football. And I'm ready to retire. It is frustrating, though, because he is a smart player. You know he's a team guy, uh, someone that is all about doing what's best for the team. And it's just crazy when you see the replay over and over and over again how close he was to that first down marker. But, yeah, you got to imagine what kind of excruciating, mind-numbing pain he had to be in to just completely miss that. And he did put out an apology. He did. He I mean, apologized. I'm sure it's eating him really up, right? Players do that. He's had a lot of rough moments this season, you know, and it's it is tough because you want you expect more out of him. Like you don't expect him to fumble in key situations, and that's the frustrating part. But I don't know. Like we can we can blame Mark Ingram for that loss all we want. There are a lot of reasons you lost that game. Yeah, right. Like there there are a lot of reasons you lost that game, and it wasn't about whether Mark stretched the ball out for a first down at that one point. Like sure. That might have made it a lot easier to win that game, but it doesn't guarantee you win that game. And there were ways to guarantee you win that you won that game, and you didn't. You chose not to take advantage of them. And that's something I want to talk about more in the next segment of like this just cowardly play calling that the Saints have put out this season. I, I don't Agreed. use that word lightly, but it's true. No. There were moments in that game 
that, you know, and DA talked about this afterward. He was like, well, we you, when you have a chance to put away Tom Brady and you don't, you know, this is what happens. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't take advantage of the chances to put away Tom Brady. Like that's going to be more in the analytics discussion, but it's just a frustrating, like we're going to pretend that like this was something that you couldn't see coming and it's not. Like this was a very easy thing to see. What's annoying is the Saints probably win that game if Todd Bowles doesn't shut down Tom Brady when he's trying to go for it on fourth and 10 with about what, seven minutes left? Like Tom wanted to go for that. He was standing on the field like, no, we're not punting. And Todd, to his credit, was like, no, Tom, get the fuck over here. We're (laughs) punting this ball. And they won the game because of that because I don't think they convert that fourth and 10. That's just a desperation, frustration moment by Tom Brady. And it's funny. You look at that and you see like, okay, this 45-year-old quarterback, the greatest quarterback of all time in terms of winning football games and coming back in those situations. You know, it was this first-year head coach being able to stand up to him and be like, no, Tom, sit the fuck down. (laughs) That won them that game. And it's like you look at the decision-making that happens throughout a game and you see the things that coaches can do to help win games and the things they can do to help lose games. And the Saints – are way too often on the wrong side of that. Yeah, it's been the entire season. Just things have not clicked. They haven't been in sync, on the same page, whatever you want to say. But whatever, the players will always say it's on them because they're the ones on the field. But guess what? It also comes down to the people that are making the decisions and calling the plays for for you on the field as well. So one player who who won't say that it's on him um, because we aren't allowed to talk to him is Alvin Kamara. And, uh, yeah, here's more on Mr. Kamara. Dennis, the last two weeks for Alvin, uh, I think he's averaging just a shade over two yards of carry. Is, is there something limiting him that we might not know about, or is there just the defenses are just keying on him uh, better than maybe you might have expected? Well, look, I think the defenses are keying on him, obviously, but I, I think we've got to – Look, he's a good football player, and we've got to find ways to get him the ball where he can be effective. And so I think that's, you know, that's something that we have to look at as a coaching staff and 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 the play designs and how we can how we can get this guy into a, into a position where he can be, you know, effective running the ball, catching the ball. I felt like we had an opportunity down there in the red zone. You know, they we had a little crossing route to him out of the backfield that. Uh, they were in man-to-man coverage. I felt like we had a play there, and their defensive end was able to kind of get a hand on the ball and knock it away. He's right. There was that play down the red zone that like, he probably scores on if you get the ball to him. But, you know, I asked him that question because I was half expecting to hear he got dinged up in the game, and, you know, maybe that slowed him down. But apparently not. Apparently Alvin is Alvin, and they're just unable to take advantage of him. Two weeks in a row. These are his stats. His two-week stats. This is two Full football games. He has 19 rushing attempts for 39 yards. That is just a tick over two yards a carry. He has eight catches on 10 targets for 48 yards. That's it. That's all you got out of Alvin freaking Kamara. Yeah, it's really disappointing. I mean, we had Jim Mora, former Saints head coach, on uh, the other night, and the Cajun Cannon was asking Mora about Mark Ingram, and he just volunteered saying that Alvin Kamara doesn't look the same to him right now. 
You know, I'm, I'm seeing a difference in Kamara's play recently. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys are or not, but he doesn't and look he, he, he runs out of like the too. guy that I'm used to see, you know, just going, going, going with those runs and really getting smacked around and still on his feet going for every possible yard he can get. I don't see that recently, so I, I don't know what if that's a factor or not. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to say guys are quitting, but it looks like he's a little disinterested at the moment. Well, I mean, this is a guy who this whole storyline was, yeah, he stood up in the locker room and said, I'm tired of losing. Right. Well, and I don't know if disinterest, like he's always kind of been this this guy who people would accuse of being disinterested even when he's playing well. So <laughs> it's not like when he's running for 200 yards against the Raiders. It's not like he's running up and down the sidelines going crazy either. So like he is a very even keeled person. You would never know watching him during a game whether he is having the best game of his life or having the type of game he had on Sunday. So in that sense, I'm not going to overanalyze his demeanor. But you look at the numbers. You know, he's actually averaging 3.8 yards a carry, which isn't terrible. But like if you went into this season saying you were going to have this many duds from Alvin Kamara, probably wouldn't have traded that first round pick because you're not winning a lot of games if you don't have a star in Alvin Kamara, right? You only have so many stars on your team. And if Mark Ingram... Two games removed from an MCL injury is out snapping Alvin Kamara. Clearly, something's not right. Like, there's no way that that was your plan going in. And it's even more frustrating by the fact that he's ducking the media and we can't ask him about it. We can't get any information out of it. Someone after the game told me they thought he maybe he was upset about takeoff dying because I guess they they're close. I don't know. But like, maybe, maybe that is the case. I don't know because he is not available for us to ask him about that information. All we see is 12 for 26, a week after seven for 13. Yeah, I thought he was going to have a bust out game against Tampa because of that. Yes, you were very vocal about that. (laughs) I I figured this was going to be, you know, this is when your leaders step up. And that just hasn't, that wasn't the case with Kamara though. It's Well, but I appreciate where your head's at though, because like, in logically thinking like, okay, how is this season going to turn around? How are the Saints going to to assert themselves over the last month and a half of the season? And the obvious way would be for Alvin Kamara to get going, right? And this is the game. You really needed to see something out of him, and you just didn't get it. And part yeah. of it's on the play calling. Like, I'm not giving the play calling a pass, but, you know, he should be matchup proof to an extent, right? Like, your star players should be matchup proof. Like, and I know obviously like 200 yards, three touchdowns, whatever. That's a different story. Like, I don't need that. But like you shouldn't, if you are a star running back and this team is relying on you to be a star, seven for 13 cannot happen. If that is happening, you are not a star running back. You are an average running back who has big games. And that's what he's been this season. An average running back, a majority of the time, who's had a couple really big games. And you could say that about a lot of guys. Alvin is one of them. Yeah, and... Can the Saints suspend him the last four games and say, hey, NFL? I was thinking that today. <laughs> it's like, look, we did this for you. And that that's just, you know, we're getting ahead of the, the curve here. Can you self-impose the discipline? Man? Like, you know right, what? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're better off getting out of the getting this out of the way. <laughs> and, and, and it's frustrating because like I am a huge Alvin Kamara fan. I love watching the same, guy play. Absolutely, right. And it's like he's just gone. Like, this isn't that guy. Something's up. But DA says he's fine. So all we have to go on is 12 for 26 and 7 for 13. And the week before that, 12 for 42. The week before that, 8 for 26. The week before that, 9 for 30. It has been five games since he has cracked 42 rushing yards. That's nonsense. 
that's not Alvin. That's not the guy who went up for like number four overall in like every fantasy draft. Actually, not this year because everyone was like, maybe he gets suspended. But man, that's just it's just frustrating. And I don't I don't want to hammer on Alvin too much because there's a lot going on with this team that that's not great. But you know, that's just so frustrating when you look back after every week and it's like, where was this guy? Maybe the airhead supply is low. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's he's got low blood sugar or something. But that was a thing too. I remember when Ingram wasn't around, everybody was like, oh, he's upset. He's sad. His buddy's not around. Well, they've been reunited kind of thing. And I mean, they're... they're that was a stupid take at the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying, it's like, you can't look at it as he's moping because, you know, Latavius Murray's the number two guy and it's not Mark. He had 20 touchdowns that season. <laughs> like, what the hell? What a stupid take that was. <laughs> like, he had six touchdowns in one game. He, he set records that season. So if he was bummed out, you know, maybe we need to send Mark away again. I don't I, know. I don't know. It, but the, yeah, the boom and zoom has not been doing their, their part. Uh, and I would agree, though, that I don't think Ingram's had a terrible year when he's been playing. He's just up there in mileage in years, and he's not the same guy anymore, obviously. The team definitely made a huge mistake not going after a running back in the draft this year, and you would imagine it's going to be something. They have to address it this coming season. Well, so you could say this year. I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about since 2017. They've not drafted <laughs> a single running back. Like, and I don't, I'm not talking top three rounds. Yeah. I'm talking seventh round. Get a flyer out there. Yeah, I was trying to think of anybody they might have gotten – no, they, the one, they think they, they the one try that to jumped to mind was was Boston Scott, and they let him go. Did they draft Boston Scott? They did, yeah. He was a seventh round pick. Are you yes, sure sir. he wasn't a UDFA? Now you're making me second guess myself. You might be right. You're right. He was a sixth round pick. I, I am wrong. But yeah, they didn't keep him around. No, let him go. And a you local know who product. has been a really solid player for Absolutely. the Eagles. It's been Boston Scott. Right. Bring back Boston Scott. <laughs> yeah, I, like you just kind of neglected that position and you tried to address it with UDFAs, and that hasn't worked either. But yeah, I know I, we, we can we can because they've been pretty successful in the past with that. You know, bringing in those. Yeah, when you look at your Chris Ivory. But what have they and, done? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they, they had a run for yeah, a while. Back, where they, back then, I'm talking about the last yeah, five yeah. years. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think they're willing to sign guys. Like, they like Latavius Murray. They brought back Mark Ingram, so they they want veteran guys in there. But anyway, we we don't have to talk about this all day. Let's cut that segment off there, and I want to get into more of the analytics because there are just some questions I have about how this team uses them. And uh, let's 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 take a quick break on Inside Black and Gold. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow me too if you want at Jeff underscore Nowak. But just know I'm being very depressed at this time, and I will not be optimistic in any way. Fair warning. As it pertains to those kind of fourth down situations, uh, obviously analytics are very popular in football these days. Do analytics factor in to some of those decisions as you're making them, or is it kind of just feel of the game? Well, look, we do a lot of analytics throughout the week. We talk about a lot of scenarios. We talk about a lot of situations that come up in NFL games and college games. We go through a lot of these uh, analysis throughout the week, and and ultimately. The decision comes down to, you know, what's the gut feeling that gives us the best chance to win? And and analytics are a factor in that. 
but analytics are not the determining factor in that. Back here on Inside Black and Gold, and that was Dennis Allen talking about analytics. The question and the term that very few people seem to understand on Twitter. I tweeted that answer and someone was like, well, what the analytics told him to put Marquez Callaway in the game on third and one? He's like, that's not, that's not no. how they're used. Right. These are methods that you use to identify when you should go for it on fourth down, when you should punt versus, you know, be more aggressive, when you should go for two, that sort of thing. You know, and the analytics in most cases will tell you fourth and short, you should go. And it is interesting because you look at college and you look at a guy like Brian Kelly, you know, not exactly a spring chicken, but this guy uses analytics like more than anyone. And, And I think that's very true in college, like across the board, you see Lane Kiffin, even Kirby Smart is going for two to get up 27 instead of 25. And he's like, yeah, the analytics said go. So we went. And it's like, it's just funny that you hear that in college and then you get to the NFL and it's like, yeah, we're going our by our gut feeling. And, you know, it's, I don't trust Dennis Allen's gut. Oh, right. Like, there are way too many moments, especially in that game. They Like kicking a field goal on fourth and short in the red zone where like being up 13 is no better than being up 10. I actually would argue that being up 13 is worse than being up 10. And I said this in the podcast after the game, because you're up two scores either way. And especially against a guy like Tom Brady, who's as good as anyone at coming back, you're going to be more conservative on that last drive. Once you get into field goal range, knowing that a field goal will tie the game. And instead you're down six. So you have to get in the end zone, right? I think there's a decent chance that Tom Brady settles for a field goal on that drive, knowing that, okay, I don't want to take a risk and turn the ball over when we have a field goal in the bag. And so like, I would, I would have never kicked that field goal, even though at the time I understood it because you just didn't want to give any momentum. And I think momentum is, is the big question when you're talking about, okay, should I trust the analytics and go for it versus should I trust my gut? and not go for it and punt it in, in Buck's territory, right? Because the question is, are you sacrificing momentum if you don't get it? And the real question is, does momentum really exist in football? Because when you see a game end the way it did, I would argue, no, it does not. Momentum is a myth when you're playing Tom Brady. Because at any point, he can flip a switch and, 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 and cut your heart out of your body, just like he did to the Saints. Yeah, he's able to sway the momentum, I guess you could say. But I, I don't know if they were so conservative with the play calling. And like you said, you're you're afraid to not take the points when you're on the road. I don't know if maybe it's a different call if you were in the Superdome against the Bucks, But it, it definitely felt way too passive, especially against a guy like Tom Brady. And you heard it from... Dennis Allen after the game talking about it when you got a chance to put the goat away you got to put him away and and this team the play calling that they they did wasn't to put him away it was letting him linger yeah but he's he's talking more about executing right like he's talking about like Taysom Hill not being able to hold on to that ball Chris Olave not being able to hold on to that ball Jarvis Landry not being able to hold on to the ball that's what he's talking about how many times do we see Jarvis make that one-handed grab in practice that's ridiculous I did. I tweeted at the time, like, it'd be nice to see him go for that with two hands. But then you think about it and it's like, he probably makes that catch more frequently with one hand than he does if he tries to dive and catch it with two. (laughs) So it's just, you know, it's just bad luck. But no, but it's different. Like the way he's talking about putting a guy away, it's 
he he wants to put him away with in the first three downs, right? But you put him away by going for it on fourth down and 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 scoring a touchdown, and you know on third and one in Bucks territory with a little under six minutes to go, even after Mark Ingram went out of bounds. Like I get it, Mark Ingram should have got the first down, but if you're going by the analytics, the analytics are going to tell you that you have two downs to get one yard, right? And sneak it. QB sneak power. it twice. <laughs> like, I get it. You you have a 16 to 3 lead and you and you want to just you want to just make sure you don't do anything that's going to make it easier on Tom Brady, but you cannot play that way against that guy. And the analytics would tell you that. And the only reason you don't is because your gut is telling you we have the momentum, don't do anything stupid. And so here, here's an example like of this is not just this game. This is all season. Uh, ben Baldwin, he's the open source guy for The Athletic. And he has this fourth down model that it, it basically calculates when you should go for it on fourth down versus when you should punt. And the, the cutoff is if going for it on fourth down gives you at least a 1% edge in terms of you are more likely to win a game by going for it than punting, then you should go for it. And it's just kind of where that cutoff is. And so, you know, they kind of track this all season long. And it just kind of says, okay, how many times did you go for it when this model says you should have gone for it? This graphic goes by percentages, right? So it's like not just, it's not a volume thing. The Bills went for it 70% of the time in those situations. They went for it 12 times. That that leads the NFL in terms of percentages. The, The Bucks actually lead the NFL in total times they have done it, which is, going for fourth down when this model tells you should go. And they're not using this model, but it's just kind of a way to track it. They've gone for it 30 times in those instances throughout the course of this season. And they've ended up there a lot. So they're actually a lower percentage. How many times this season would you guess the Saints have gone for it on fourth down in instances where this model tells you they should have gone for it? I'm going to say a wonderful big fat zero. Zero times. Zero times. Have they gone for it when this model, which I would argue is pretty spot on, tells you you should go for it? The next does it say how, lowest. Does it say team, how many scenarios they were in? And no, because it's it's okay. going by percentages, so I, I don't have that in front of me. But either way, it's it's a solid number. The next lowest team is five, and the Jets are the lowest percentage team closest to them, and they have gone for it on thirteen of these plays. And so you look at it, and you're like, this is not a team that's using analytics to make in-game decisions, right? They might use it to make their game plan decisions, but they are not by any stretch using analytics to to improve their chances to win in a game. And, you know, it's funny because you go back and you look down at college, like I, like I said, and you are a little bit more innovative in college. It's always been the case, right? You see stuff kind of bubble up to the NFL from the college ranks. It rarely goes the other way. You know, and I think as we get further down the road, you're going to see that happen. But it's very clear that the Saints are very much behind the curve on using analytics to their advantage. Yeah, and what's odd is with all this, to me at least, from more than one pretty close source to this team, everybody, I won't say everybody, the the folks that told me basically that Pete Carmichael Jr. was a more aggressive play caller even than Sean Payton. Aggressive and 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 analytically inclined are two different things. And aggressive and making bold decisions are, are not the same thing. Like you can be aggressive and go down the field, but I want you to be aggressive in terms of putting a team away. And those are two different things, right? I think that would come down to him though too, going, hey, Dennis, I got a play here. We can get this first. 
yeah, I mean, he could step up and be like, let's do this. But hey, he also called a pass on third and one to Marquez Calloway. So hey, that was bold. So here's a so ESPN put out a survey of like the analytically inclined teams. This came out this week. And so here are the teams that are that are at the bottom. Like which teams are the least analytically advanced? That list includes the Tennessee Titans, the Washington Commanders, the Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Detroit Lions, Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that's interesting. So outside of the Bears, you look at these teams and you and you see kind of the 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 reasoning for why they are down at the bottom. And it's a lot of times it's because you have an entrenched long-term coach who has done things a certain way his entire career or someone who has studied at the foot of a long-term coach who has done things his entire career. And they've kind of adopted that for themselves. Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick. So you can make that connection. Washington commanders, Ron Rivera, you know, he's riverboat Ron, but he's not doing anything other than taking risks like he's not using analytics to make those risks. He's just a no. risky guy. <laughs> the bear of Matt Eberflus, he's kind of a he's kind of a wild card. The New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen. You can draw a direct line from Dennis Allen to Sean Payton. Tampa Bay Bucks, you can draw a direct line from Todd Bowles to Bruce Arians. Yeah. Who's still hanging around the team constantly. Right. Detroit Lions, you can draw a direct line from Dan Campbell to Sean Payton, Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. So like there is a direct correlation between, you know, these long entrenched coaches and being less analytically advanced, right? And so I just think it's interesting, you know, as we go down the road and one of the things that I want to see is this team get more modern in terms of how they view these these products, right? And I'd like to see from a play calling perspective someone who is not in a direct line to Sean Payton. Well, that's, I mean, that was the whole thing with this franchise going into this year. They wanted that continuity. That's why basically everybody under that whole regime is still around. Yeah, and, and they're using this, the analytics. This has been consistent, right? They are using the same, anal- they, they are using analytics the exact same way Sean Payton used analytics, right? From, a, from an offensive perspective, this team is operating as closely as it can to the Sean Payton style of operation and the Sean Payton style of decision-making. And the problem is, you don't have Sean Payton making those decisions. Yeah. Right. There is a method to the madness, but like there's a reason that he's the guy. I think that too often this season, you have seen this team try to be an image of themselves as opposed to themselves. And it's just led to this offense with no identity. You don't never know who's coming or going. You can't seem to incorporate all of your weapons at one time, whether, you know, this game, you couldn't get Alvin Kamara going other games, you know, you just decided, okay, yeah, Taysom's not going to be involved. Rashid's not going to be involved. And it's just this team is just trying every week to, to come up with what it is. And at the end of the day, I just don't think you really have anything. Yeah, the problem is, like you said, you're trying to do what Sean Payton did, but you don't have Sean Payton. And that's a guy that, I don't know, I feel like I'm not sure if he, he relied more on analytics or the gut. Honestly, his football quote unquote instincts. No, yeah. I just think the way they use analytics is is not the way the modern football world has shown you that you should, right? Which, you know, there are it should go the opposite direction where a majority of the time you are trusting what the numbers are telling you, right? Like Brian Kelly will come up to the press conference after the game and they'll say, Well, why'd you go for it here? And he said, Well, the analytics were green and it and I thought it made sense, so we went, right? It's yeah. the same reason that you go for two against Alabama 
because you know your odds are not getting any better than having one play to win the game, right? And those are the type of decisions that if you're not analytically inclined, you're not going to make because you're just, you're just kind of going by the book, right? And the, the really interesting exception is John Harbaugh because John Harbaugh is a guy who has been there forever with the Ravens, but he's, he is one of the more analytically inclined people in the NFL. He's going, he's making crazy decisions out there to the point that it's like, really, you're going to go for two here and lose the game. All right. Good for you. But I think it's, you know, it, it kind of goes down to the, to the core of that team, which is, hey, yeah, they drafted Lamar Jackson, right? A guy who a lot of the old school NFL heads would have been like, yeah, he's not an NFL quarterback. Well, they made him an NFL quarterback by adjusting their system to more of a college system and, and making some of his reads a little more like college reads. And so you have an offense that people aren't ready for because you are being proactive and you are adjusting on the fly and you're making the system work to the players that you have in it. And that's where I get really frustrated because you see Alvin Kamara and we really went hard on Alvin Kamara in that last segment, but I don't know if it's necessarily an Alvin Kamara problem or it's like, why are there no plays designed to get Alvin the ball where he can do what he does best? right? Like how many times are you just seeing Alvin just pound his head into the line? And then Mark Ingram is the guy you're using as your pass catching back, (laughs) right? Like, like it's just, there's so much disconnect between what this team should be and what they are on a regular basis. And, you know, we're going to, this kind of leads us well into our next segment, uh, which is going to be about drastic coaching changes. And uh, I think that you're going to look back at this season, you're going to see all of these missed opportunities and, and all of these, these chances you had with the weapons that you have on the roster and you're going to be like, man, what, what are we doing? Why did we do it this way? And you're going to want to see a change in the, in the regime, at least down the line. I don't know if from the top down, but at least down the line. No, it definitely feels like, you know, going already into next year. I know, you know, there's still four games left, but, you know, you essentially said it. The season's over. You're not playing for the playoffs here anymore. And it'll be interesting to see besides, you know, Dennis Allen not talking about there not being – any coaching changes, what kind of roster decisions lie ahead? He's still going to bring back like a Marshawn Lattimore who sat out now after being limited in practice the last two weeks, and it felt like he was on his way back. But at this point, do you rush a guy? I don't want to say rush, but do you bring a guy like him back into this lineup when you already know he's dealing with a serious uh, abdomen injury that's kept him out this long? And there's going to be yeah, a, a bunch question. of other – there's going to be another guys too. Pete Warner, I don't want to see this team pretend it has a chance to make the playoffs and use that to justify bringing guys back that are that might not be in the shape. That, so I agree with you. Like, that's going to be interesting to watch. And you have a week and a half. And, you know, these guys, if they're healthy, they're going to play, right? Like, you can't protect players from football just because you want to save them for next year. But I do think that that's a good question. It's sad, too, because, you know, obviously – Four weeks left for the Saints. Obviously, this bye week, we're waiting to see more football. But, you know, it's it's going to be a, a long, hard road these last four games. And also, you know, just interesting to see how the team in general responds when they know kind of nothing's on the line anymore. What's going to be funny is when they beat the Eagles on New Year's Day and still give them a top five pick. I, I know. I was I was joking with some folks. It's like, you know, the Saints are going to win out now, of course and just miss the playoffs and it'll it'll be and you know just as just like last season kind of thing where oh they were oh so close but fell short and we're going to be talking about how many games there was those woulda coulda shoulda moments where they 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 should have come out on top but for whatever reason 
the bad luck, the bad play calling, the injury, whatever it was, has just stopped this team from achieving its true. I, I, I guess it's hard to say that, though, but it, they just haven't lived up to expectations this year because nobody, I guess, except Vegas, saw this under 10 win total coming. Yeah, they're going to finish eight and nine and to cover the over uh, on that initial bet because I think the initial bet was seven and a half, right? Yeah, just, just to prove that. Because I know we all locally were thinking, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. All right, let's wrap that up. We're going to get back into it. We're going to talk about, you know, I, not only, like, obviously we know what NDA said and we're, we can hear it, but I want to get into kind of like, what changes would you make if you did make, as to put the way DA said, drastic changes? Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. things out here on Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak, alongside Steve Geller. As always, he got back from Tampa safe. Uh, the long flight. How long does it take you to get from here to Tampa in the air? An hour. It was really short. Unfortunately, it wasn't a very inspiring flight home. And even worse was, I thought, the bus ride to the airport, you know, getting after the stadium, you hit the bus and it was just, I don't want to even say deathly quiet. It was just eerily quiet. And you just felt this sense of nobody wanted to say anything or even knew what to say after going through that loss. Yeah, the team just died. So <laughs> you guys want to see a dead body? They got a bunch of buses and I'm bus five and Mickey Loomis is on our bus and he sits in the front seat. So I'm like climbing onto the bus after the game and I look up and see Mickey and it's just like, I don't know what to say to you. I'm sorry I even looked your way. But yeah, it's, it's just an awkward shuffle to the back of the bus then. So I, I have a funny travel story for Atlanta, which uh, I went to Atlanta for the SEC championship. And so it's about an hour and a half flight. And we get up there and it's like 10 minutes before we depart. And, and we're supposed to leave at like at like 10. And they're like, just kidding. Your flight is delayed until 1.45. It was a three and a half hour delay for an hour and a half flight. And my only theory is that they forgot to send the plane because oh, I thought you were sitting on the plane and they told you that no no we were sitting in the air like if they had told us we were delayed three hours earlier I would have just waited to go to the airport but no instead I'm at right. the airport for six hours which is yeah. like what do you do when you're at the airport for six hours you get drunk in the morning so that's what I did but the funny thing is they sent everyone as an apology a meal voucher how much do you think this meal voucher was for Steve uh I'll say 15 bucks <laughs> nope seven dollars Ooh! wow Big first of all completely random number like make it 10 like round like why seven that is stupid second of all that's not a meal at the airport that's a bottle of water and gum yeah and you're gonna have to cover the difference <laughs> yourself seven dollars it's like don't send me anything at all i wish there was an option like wish there was a button where i could you know do that thing from waiting which is like no you you need this more than i do <laughs> you know right you keep this <laughs> Too bad there wasn't a casino, I guess, in the Atlanta airport. You could have just let it ride. Oh, this was in New Orleans. This is on the way oh, to okay. Atlanta. I got you. Yeah, duh. Oh, and like not only was it a voucher that I that I had to go up there, and like they had a QR code on it, but the airport was not able to scan it. So I had to type in the card number and the expiration date. It was like going through this process is not worth $7, but I got like a bag of Chex Mix and a bottle of water. And I had to spend 
83 cents of my own money because I couldn't cover that with with $7. Anyway, that's my travel story. Yeah, man. Air- airports are like stadiums. The prices there are totally inflated. Insane. Except Atlanta, where the prices are very reasonable. And I wish I could just go to Atlanta to go to the games and eat. It's the only place I've ever gone where they give you Chick-fil-A after the games. The media area for the uh, in Atlanta is quite enjoyable. No hate on there for the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Not a gorgeous stadium. It's a palace. But all right, so yeah, we, we kind of went off the rails there a little bit. But yeah, so the, the last <laughs> one we're going to talk about is this is a team that objectively should be should be considering everything. And that's, sure. I think, what's frustrating me is you're not seeing that. You know, that like the 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 keep doing what you're doing meme, which I don't even know if it's technically a meme. It's just it's just a ridiculous thing to say after your quarterback throws back to back pick sixes to effectively lose a game. But that's like what effectively what Dennis Allen said again after or on Monday when we talked to him and he was asked about, you know, how does he feel about the offense? How do you feel about potential coaching changes? And here here's what he said. When you look at that game, we're sitting at five point three yards per play there at four point seven. You know, like we're we're moving the ball, we're doing some good things offensively, uh, but yet we have a couple opportunities to make some plays. We don't make them, and then situationally, we've got to we've got to be better. Look, I've got confidence in 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 our offense. I got confidence in in what we're doing. I think we just ha- we just have to be more consistent in what we're doing. Are you considering any major changes, like changes to the coaching staff or anything like that going forward? No, I don't see any dramatic changes, uh, you know, happening. Um, you know, when you're sitting in 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 uh, really going into week 14, we played 13 weeks, um, and we're going into our 14th game. Um, I don't think any drastic changes are, are you know, what's going to fix, um, you know, the win loss column. I think our execution. I think us is. Coaches, players, everybody. I think we've all got to just keep grinding and working to improve. Just keep grinding. So there are a few things that frustrate me there, which is you need to be more consistent in what you're doing. First of all, like one of my biggest gripes about this team is that it's been remarkably consistent (laughs) and it's not a good thing. Like the consistency is there. This is not a team that I watch every week and see these drastic swings in efficiency. It's the same thing. It is the same picture every week. And you look at from an offensive perspective, this week, their defense actually did its job. It got takeaways. You should have, no question, had 20 points minimum on the board. And instead, you were sitting on 16, which was, you know, one point too few against a team that was going to put up two touchdowns in the final three minutes of that game. So, like, that's, to me, that, that's the frustrating part. It's like, why aren't all options on the table? Why isn't Jameis Winston in at quarterback? Like, why are we riding this out with Andy Dalton and Pete Carmichael as the play caller? Like, this is a failed experiment. And 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 riding it out is the problem. When things go this poorly, like I don't, I'm not advocating to fire the coach. I'm probably one of the few people in this entire city who's not advocating to fire the coach, but I do want to see. The deck's cleared. I want to see you exhaust the options available to you. I want to see Ronald Curry get a chance to call the plays, right? And and I kind of jumped the gun there, but you know, I, I want to hear. So, what would you change? So, Dennis Allen says no drastic coaching changes, right? What would you change if you were the head coach? Is this just coaches or also personnel? 
anything you want. Well, it would have definitely started with giving Jameis a shot, but I will say I don't think Dalton was the problem. Was he out of all the big mess of that was in that Tampa game, Andy Dalton was not the issue at all. No, I agree. And he's had, you know, there's this like ever-growing fraternity of Saints players who have had balls bounce off their helmets, and Chris Olave joined it this week, right? That's not his fault. I'm not pinning this on Andy Dalton, but I want to see everything. Like, I want to see what Jameis has because you're going to go into the offseason and have to answer that question. And right now you don't know what the answer is, and that's unacceptable. I sound and like Gary Seinfeld. One thing I've been so impressed with is, honestly, really, the, the teammate that Jameis Winston is, yeah. If you could, if you see him on the sideline, he's constantly like, if there's a penalty on the offensive line, he's going up to the guys, shake it off, we got this, move on to the next play kind of thing. A rough series for Andy Dalton. He's over there with the tablet talking with him. And you can just tell he really is a team guy and cares. And I don't want to say I didn't think about – I didn't think he was a guy like that, but I just didn't expect him to be on this kind of level, the level where – Basically, he had his starting job stripped for him and is still is still so active and cares when clearly the team or the higher-ups that be really don't seem to care. And we've talked no, about yeah, it. Where I think it's not an injury James right arrived now. with a certain reputation, whether it was earned or not, just based on what you knew from him as an opponent, as a Saints fan, right? You watched him go in and he, you know, push Marshawn the back of the head and do all this right. kind of malarkey. And, you know, I think, I don't know if he was as mature as he is now when he was in Tampa, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I had a problem with his legal issues that he had in his past. Yeah, I yeah, had a problem yeah, with right, that. Right. And, and if you had any question about whether this guy was team first or, you know, whether he was going to support his teammates or anything like that, that those questions are gone. I mean, I want him to be more angry. Like, <laughs> I wish he was he was more vocal about, like, what the hell, guys? Yeah, like waving, like, hello, too. Yeah, I'd be furious. And that's why right. I guess it surprises me, too, right. the fact that he is so easygoing, at least in that aspect, where he can say, all right, for the good of the team, I'm going to do my part here, no matter if I think I should be starting or not. Well, especially because... It would be hard. It would be difficult to manage mentally and emotionally if the team was doing well and you weren't a part of it. When the team is doing badly and you're not even on the tape, like you're not even an option, that's got to be infuriating. 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 <laughs> they have won four games this season. You have 25% of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like. Wow. They have the exact same win percentage, Andy Dolan and Jameis Winston. And it's just like, I, I would be furious. But but like like you mentioned, and it's a really good point, like Jameis, you see him on the sideline. Like you see him like up on, up on the sideline, like hyping everybody up. And it's like, he doesn't yeah. have to do that. You know, like like he's not, and he's not putting on a show. Like that's just who he is. And you have to give him credit for that. But I don't know if you get answered the question. What would you change from a coaching perspective and from a personal perspective? No, it's definitely, and I, I mean, he was on my duds a few times this year when we did that. Is Pete Carmichael Jr.'s play calling? I think there needs to be some kind of change there. And I, you know, we saw it. You know, a lot of question marks this past game. Just we, you know, we talked about it before drawing things up for Marquez Callaway on that play. Uh, not running the football. I've had issues with, you know, Taysom not being used enough. It's really aggravating, plus the fact that you know 
already going into this year that he really didn't want this job. And right now, I don't want him to have this job. And I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think that it was the right move for that continuity to stick around with this team. I was really hoping that the offense would go another direction when Dennis Allen took over. And I haven't seen that Sean Payton playbook all year long. Uh, there's been that bright spot of Chris Olave, thankfully, as the rookie receiver. But he even joined the drop party. I guess you could say a few times this year, but it really hurt this past game. And it's just been a mishmash of frustrating. And the defense to me has definitely been a more consistent asset this year than the offense. And I think that's obvious. And we have to continue to battle as a team. We have to stick together. You know, we can't let anything divide us. You know, we have to continue to, to battle and that's what's going to take. And you know, that's what we're going to do as a team. And we're going to stick together and we're going to, Continue to fight and you know throw punches until it's all over. That's another bright spot too. Yes, that was Rashid Shahid. And so that there there are a couple changes I would make, right? You you mentioned Pete Carmichael, and I think you might be frozen. Now you're back. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned Pete Carmichael. And so I, I think what you need to do as a team is you need to find out what's salvageable, right? And that's 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 my issue with not changing anything because we already know what everything looks like the way things have been running. I want to see what things look like in different formats, right? And so I get it, like you don't want to make crazy changes, but you know, for example, what does Pete Carmichael look like as the offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays, right? Like if he can focus more on that, the way he had his entire career, and then you deputize Ronald Curry and say, hey, Ronald, you're going to call the plays for this game. He's a quarterback's coach, and he called plays in the preseason. You know, what does that look like? How does that operate? Does that just do things go more smoothly? Do you get a do you get a better picture of the offense? with two minds looking at it and one guy calling the plays and one guy installing a, a majority of the game plan. You know, I'd like to see something like that. And beyond that, I want to see Rashid Shahid get featured, which he he did a good bit in this game. And he and he delivered, right? And I want to see that. That's what I want to see more and more. I want to see Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave because I think they are the future of this offense at the wide receiver position. And so I want to see you you make sure that those two are featured in your in your game plans as much as possible as you go forward. Because if you're looking for a bright spot on offense, those are the two offensive skill position playmakers that you feel like, okay, we can build around this. Because Rashid has been incredible. And every week he does a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And you know, you look at his like build and his and his range. You know, one of the issues with Deontay Hardy was, yes, he was an elite returner, but at 5'6", you're very limited in what you can do out, out in the offense, right? Like, you can create separation, but you can only create it in certain ways. You can't go up for a jump ball. And, like, the, the skill set that Rashid has and the ability to, to extend the field and to make everyone have to account for him, uh, that's elite. And so I want to see those two guys get featured. Those are the changes I would make. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It sounds like... Dennis Allen wants the consistency. And I don't think that when you're four and nine, consistency is what you should be seeking. You should be looking to shake things up and find a combination that works. And if there's one thing that frustrates me about this season more than anything else, it's that. It is zero innovation, zero creativity, an unwillingness to change how you are operating in stride and find a combination that works. And it's, I think, I don't think we're going to see a change, but that's what I would like to see. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before with Dennis Allen and that when we played the audio too, 
what what consistency do you want from this team? What what exactly is the positive consistency that you can glean from anything that's happened this season, except when you've played some lowly teams like the Rams or the Raiders? Uh, surprisingly, the Seahawks have really upped their game since they came to the Superdome because they're a, they're, they seem to be a shell of the team that was in New Orleans. What was that week? Three or four? Yeah, it was week five. They were they were okay. three and four at that. No, they were two and three in that point. They might have been three and two. I can't remember, but they're seven and five now. So they're not they're not running away with it. No, right? I don't think they're a great team. They beat the Rams this week. They got pushed by the John Walford Rams. So I'm not I'm not anointing the Seahawks as anything special. I think the 49ers are going to win that division with Brock Purdy at quarterback. Or, yeah, but you look you look at any other decent team this year that they've played, and there's been no positive consistency that that you want to you know continue with. Yeah, except for the Vikings. The most inexplicable result of the season is the Saints almost beating the Vikings, who have. When's the last time you saw a ten and two team have a forty to three loss on their record, on their on their season? How crazy is that? Yeah, I don't know what the heck. I know uh, what you call Jefferson was dealing with a slight turf toe issue. I don't know if he was fully healthy that game, but one player is not going to contribute to it being blown out. Sure, I just think it's it's just kind of wild when you you look at a team that they have won. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of ten games, and that one loss is forty to three at home. <laughs> this season is so weird. No, that's and that's unbelievable because, yeah, the Saints were totally in that game, obviously against Minnesota, and you had they were ahead twenty-two to nineteen. <laughs> yeah, they could have won that. Five minutes left in the fourth quarter, they were ahead twenty-two to nineteen. I was going to say, sounds familiar. Where they they blow a lead late. Right, right, right. That's that's one thing I, I will say. I, you know, I said all the the defense has been, you know, pretty consistent this year, but they have been consistently bad in late game situations. Yeah, the only meaningful change that has happened in season is the one that I wish didn't, or at least the one that I wish he would not be so committed to, and that is Andy Dalton taking over for Jameis Winston. That's the only point in the season where I look at Dennis Allen and be like, wow, at least he he was firm on this. <laughs> But he wasn't um, in the beginning. It was so awkward, too, when it was like, oh, I still remember standing there in London going, he'll be back tomorrow. And then tomorrow came around and there was no Jameis Winston. It's a, it's a mess. But, yeah, that's that's kind of all I got. Uh, like, I would – I'm hoping that over the course of the bye week – so this – Dennis Allen talked on Monday. Yeah. And he said what he said. I'm hopeful that the Saints powers that be kind of pull DA aside and say – Hey man, we're four and nine. If we're consistent, we're gonna finish five and twelve. <laughs> Let's make some change. Where can we change things? Where can we shake things up and try to and try to find some positive consistency? Not negative consistency. Yeah. Positive consistency. Because just saying keep doing what you're doing is a problem. It was a problem in Arizona on Thursday night football, and it's a problem. On Tuesday morning, I think I've said Monday a few times, we talked to him Tuesday morning after you have effectively ended your season in Tampa Bay by by being very consistent and doing exactly what you've been doing all year long. That's what I need to see done differently. And hopefully that's that's the messaging that's coming down from the top. Because again, I am one of the few people that is not like actively saying fire Dennis Allen, but I need to see that there are gears turning 
and like that this is not just an accepted thing like oh yeah well well we were, we were a few plays away yeah well there's a reason you were a few plays away it's not just randomness it is not just bad luck you you have made your bed and it's time to it's time to throw the covers off and see what's under there now, <laughs> because I'm tired of laying the, in it talking about the consistency too you know you go back to week 5 that win in Seattle that started the whole win one lose two Win one, lose two. Win one, lose two. So the next game, that means Atlanta is going to be a win, baby. Yeah, they're going to lose. Then they're going to lose to Cleveland and, and Philadelphia, and then come back and, beat, and then they're going to beat yeah. Carolina. So they will go the entire season without winning back-to-back games. Odds on, that's what's going to happen. Anyway, all right. Yeah, if it, it feels honestly, I mean, if you had to guesstimate right now, how do you think they'll do in the last two games? I, I'd give them the benefit of the doubt and say they win two of the four. Well, the Eagles and the and the Panthers. I'm sorry, the the. Falcons and the Panthers don't want to win. Right. So, exactly. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And they have first-round picks. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Desmond Ritter in that game. I've been waiting for that. I'm surprised Atlanta hasn't pulled the trigger yet. Atlanta is is just as absurdly committed to, to Marcus Mariota as the Saints are to Andy Dalton. <laughs> they, they've both done exactly the same thing in terms of like, yeah, we knew who these guys were, and you're just showing us again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Atlanta. I'm just wondering if that's something where it's from the GM or from the coach just saying, yeah, they're, they're sticking with, with Marcus Mariota instead of moving on to the rookie. It, you would think they would want to get him his feet a little wet this year. I mean, think about it this way. I think they're in a very similar situation to where the Saints were last year with Ian Book. Who? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so, 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 Ritter is a third round pick. Book was a fourth round pick. But no one at the end of the season was like, yeah, you should play Ian Book over Taysom Hill. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, and there were good reasons for that. And when you were close to the project, you could see them. Like, you want like, I, I was never like, oh, please put Ian Book in. And then you saw him get in because of the, because of the COVID thing. That and was awful. You saw, like, yeah, he's probably not ready. And so I think that's probably where you're at with Desmond Ritter. And, you know, if you're covering the team every day, you probably see that a little closer than than we do. You know, it, it's the same thing. It's like you watch a team go down in flames with Marcus Mariota as your quarterback. It probably isn't any stranger than watching a team go down in flames from outside the market with Andy Dalton as your quarterback, right? Like, I'm sure they're criticizing the Saints sticking with Andy Dalton the same way we're criticizing the Falcons for sticking with Marcus Mariota. So, hey, you know, here we are. Anyway. Yeah, it'll, with the Saints situation too, it'll be interesting just for the fact that it's over, Rock. There's nothing to. I don't. I don't know what you're playing for. Do you give Jameis the playing time? Do you? So I, I don't know because Do I got to imagine that Winston won't be back on this roster next. Well, year. so here's the thing, and this is what I'm bugs me, and I want to have an entire segment about this later in the season, assuming that nothing changes. I think the reason you're sticking with Andy Dalton right now is because you fully intend to stick with him next season. I agree. I totally agree. And so, for example, you bench him now and James comes out and balls and wins wins four games, right? Then you get into the offseason, all of a sudden you have a quarterback competition or at least you have a very awkward decision to make Okay. because Dennis Allen wants Andy Dalton as his quarterback. And so that's why you're sticking with him now, and that's maddening. But I, I see Andy as the bridge guy. I, I don't think even if they get in the young quarterback, he's your bridge guy. I just don't. I look at the free agent market. Makes my I don't temples hurt. I don't think they're going to be a player in the free agent market. So I do think they'll bring in the young guy. No, and Jimmy and, Garoppolo, the guy you probably would have been interested in signing. Now he has a broken leg or broken foot. Like so, he's not going to be a guy who you can trust in the offseason. Well, he'll fit in just great down here. 
That's true. <laughs> That's true. He'll start. He'll play three games, and then he'll get, and then we'll be back to Andy Dolan. Or no, who's the who's the other quarterback you can bring? Matt Ryan. That's what's going to happen. Oh, they're going to sign Matt no, Ryan no, please, and no. Jimmy Garoppolo, and then after three weeks, they're going to bench Jimmy Garoppolo for Matt Ryan, and then Matt Ryan's going to play the rest of the season. <laughs> you heard it I here quit. first. I wonder if Ryan's coming back because he looked abysmal last game. Yeah, he's he's rough. Okay, we've 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 yammered on enough. This is Inside Black and Gold. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. Hit the subscribe button. So this is going to be our second episode of the week. This is going to be a two-episode week for us because we are on by just like the Saints are. We're going to be back to our normal schedule on Monday. It will not be a post-game edition, so we'll have to get creative with what we want to talk about. What bourbon but, did you drink on the bye week? Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about anything but the Saints. Let's let's have like a special Green Wave episode. Or maybe we can just do like a Pelicans episode just to just to talk about something nice for a change. A team that's by then might be the number one team in the Western Conference. <laughs> maybe yeah, that's what we'll do. They got two big matchups coming up against the uh, Phoenix Suns, which yeah, that's going to be right. huge, obviously. Right. Pel- so they're they're one game behind the Suns for the top record. So if they win both those games, they're going to be in number one in the Western Conference. Yeah, this is the Pelicans pod now. Get used to it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Lock out. <laughs> Lock out. Nice. Bye.